Everyone knows about Christmas, and if you don't, well, there's a lot of work to do. And everyone knows about Easter, though chances are you don't know exactly how that date is figured. It's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. Everyone knows about Christmas, and everyone knows about Easter, and if somehow you manage to forget, well, the world is happy to make sure that you know so that you can buy the right things, right? But the world has no idea about Pentecost, and chances are some of us have no real idea about Pentecost. But it's not a stretch to say that without Pentecost there would be no Easter, and without Easter there would be no Christmas. These things all go together, these three. Without Pentecost, without the work of the Spirit, we would be in the dark. We would be clueless about Jesus. We would be clueless about God. We would be clueless about ourselves. But with Pentecost, with the Spirit, comes light. With the Spirit comes heat. With the Spirit comes knowledge. With the Spirit comes joy. And with the Spirit comes all the treasures that are won for us in Christ Jesus. Here's how I want you to think of Pentecost. It is the time when the Spirit came long ago, and it is still the time in which we live. Everything that Christ did for us Everything that he accomplished on your behalf would do you no good apart from the Spirit. Everything that he did, everything that he accomplished, everything that he won, everything that he performed, everything that he said, everything that he promised without the Holy Spirit would remain out here. But the Spirit takes what Christ has done for you, and this great work of the Holy Spirit is to bring it to you. What Christ has done for us, the Spirit now brings to us, and he works in us. And that's why you should circle Pentecost just as much as you know the date of Easter, and just as surely as you fix in your hearts and your mind and in your family's life the date of Christmas. For without Pentecost, without Pentecost, Easter would mean nothing to you. It would just mean candy and Easter bunnies and eggs. And without Pentecost, Christmas would be nothing other than an excuse to buy a whole bunch of presents that you very quickly forget and throw away and can't remember, now what was it that I bought my kids this year? But with Pentecost, with the coming of the Spirit, you know the great joys of Easter. You know the resurrection of your Lord Jesus, that he is your Lord and Master. And with Pentecost, you know the true meaning of Christmas, that God wants to be with us. So we celebrate Pentecost and we break out as many bells and whistles as we possibly can. I make sure that we get all the banners carried in and that we celebrate this day with as much gusto, with as much pomp and circumstance as we can possibly muster. Because without the Spirit, without Pentecost, we would be in the dark. Now our readings for the day call to mind a great building project. And if you're like me, there's something irresistible about a house being built. When my family and I go for a walk through the neighborhood, if there is a house under construction, we sort of inevitably drift closer and closer to that house. And if it's not quite finished yet, you know how much fun this is. If the garage doors haven't been installed yet, and if the front door hasn't been put in place, well, pretty quickly we find ourselves wandering around through the inside of that house. Who can resist walking through a construction site? 
Well, this morning, our readings take us through, if you will, you can picture it this way. This morning, our readings take us through two great building sites. Pentecost is all about building. But I want you to understand that there are two very different kinds of buildings going on in our world right now. And I want you to understand that so that you know which one which one is made for you, which one you are to be a part of, and which one, which one stands condemned. See, it's a great thing to walk into a newly built home. It's a great thing to walk under well-made arches, to walk under trusses that are stable and sturdy, but to be in a house that is condemned, to be in one where the wood is rotting and where mold is growing and where everything is decaying, that's no place to be. The Tower of Babel shows us the condemned house. The Tower of Babel shows us the blueprint and the layout of the cities and projects of sinful mankind. And make no mistake, even though the Tower of Babel was begun long ago in a place far from here, the place called Shinar, these building projects like the Tower of Babel continue on in our day and age. Now, at first glance, it all sounds pretty good, doesn't it? At first glance, as we walk around in that reading of Genesis and we look around at Babel, it seems to be pretty magnificent. It has all the wonder of the world, the stupor mundi. You can hear something that sounds pretty impressive, can't you? Come, let's make bricks in advance in technology. Who can resist that? Come, let us build for ourselves a great city. Let us build a big and magnificent tower. Let's work together. Let's cooperate. Let's be on the same team with our new technology, with our bricks and our bitumen. Let us aim high. Let us accomplish great things. Let us build a tower whose top is in the heavens. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Wouldn't you want to be part of a team that cooperated? Wouldn't you want to be part of this synergy? Wouldn't you want to be part of this coalition of those who are working to build something grand and wonderful? This is the appeal of the Tower of Babel. And this is still the appeal that the world offers to you. Come, come, let us make our own thing. Come, let us aim high and let us accomplish great and wonderful things. Let us make a name for ourselves. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? None of us want to live life completely overlooked, and none of us want to be quickly forgotten. We want to leave a legacy. We want to build something. We want to leave a memorial behind. We want to be remembered. And it sounds like as we tour the Tower of Babel, as we walk around in the book of Genesis, it sounds like these are all good things. Sounds like these are all the kinds of things that we would want to pursue. But what is unsaid, what is unmentioned, what is unnoticed in the Tower of Babel is the one thing needful. Did you notice who is forgotten in that city? Did you notice whose name is not called to mind in the Tower of Babel? Did you notice whose commands are ignored, whose commands are even said to be a problem? Was it not the Lord God who said to Adam and who repeated that command to Noah and his sons to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth? But see, what God commanded didn't seem to fit the bill for those inhabitants of Shinar. 
Come, let us build for ourselves a city lest we be dispersed, lest we actually go out and fill the earth because, you know, that would be a problem. We might be forgotten. We might be overlooked. So we've got to take on ourselves to fix the problems created by God's command. Under divine inspection, the awful truth is shown. That man will try and try and try again to gain heaven without God. Let's build a tower up into the heavens. Who needs God? Imagine a world without heaven. Imagine a world. Do these words sound familiar? Have you heard them on the radio? It's not hard if you try. Imagine a world without God where we can just, you know, bring peace on earth. Heaven without God and making a name for ourselves without obedience to him, and finding security in our own works in defiance of his commandments. Those are the foundations that were laid at Babel. And those are doomed and condemned foundations. Make no mistake, as much as it may sound lofty and grand and wonderful, the Tower of Babel is always doomed. It is always a bad idea to oppose the Lord God. It is an impossible dream to gain heaven apart from the creator of heaven and earth. It is an impossible dream to make a name for yourself that is opposed to the name of the Lord God. It is an impossible and and faulty dream to find security in defiance of him. For the Lord God looked down on the Tower of Babel, and he saw what was so impressive in the eyes of men, and he had to stoop down to inspect it. Did you hear that? Come, let us go down and see what they've made. This great tower that reaches up into the heavens doesn't even come close from the, from the vantage point of God. And when the Lord God comes down, he isn't, you know, somehow afraid of what they're building. But he scatters them there so that they stop living in that condemned house. Now, those who live in a condemned house often, sadly, don't realize how bad things are. This is fine. This is fine. We've lived here for a long time. We're going to continue living here. And so when the inspector of the home comes in and inspects the foundations and says to the homeowners, look, this place is really messed up. This place is dangerous. Oftentimes, the owner of that house will protest. Well, It served us for a long time. We've lived here for a long time. What do you mean it's condemned? What do you mean we have to move out? But the inspector does not kick them out of the house because he is opposed to them. And neither does the Lord God scatter the inhabitants long ago because he is somehow threatened by them. But he scatters them for their own good lest they continue in their folly, lest they continue living in that doomed house, lest they continue breathing that moldy air, lest they continue living in that dark and dreary place. But Babel is not just about an ancient and distant undertaking that is far, far away from you. It is not just an ancient and distant building, but it is an ever-present temptation of human pride. Come, let us. It's the siren song of every sinful generation. It is the siren song of every prideful nation in our world to try to build something apart from the Lord God. All this has happened because men have forgotten God. 
The Tower of Babel could only be built and supposed to be a wonderful thing by people who had forgotten the Lord God. And sadly, throughout history, you can find time after time, men forgetting God and deciding to build their own wonderful works, their own wonderful things, not realizing how doomed those things are. All this has happened because men have forgotten God. Do you know who said those words? It was a man named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Maybe you've heard that name before, maybe you haven't. But he was a Russian man who lived under communist Russia and who looked around at how things had deteriorated in Russia, how things had become so terrible. And he said those words, all this has happened because men have forgotten God. But in the eyes of the rulers of the communist regime, everything seemed to be good. Come, let us build a society. Come, let us build a wonderful thing. Come, let us work together. Sounds just like Babel, doesn't it? And I stand here to tell you today that what happened there is not so far from what happens here. It is not like these are just temptations for other people in other times, in other places. But these things are present in every human heart, in every human civilization, in every time and in every place, even our own. There will be that siren call that goes out, come, let us gain heaven without God. Come, let us forget the Lord and remember ourselves. Come, let us build a legacy for ourselves. Let us work together and improve on God's design. Now, some of those undertakings. Some of those building projects are easy to recognize. You have only to open your eyes and see the rainbow signs flashing, pride, pride, pride. Some are much harder to recognize, but they are the same foundations. We will build a society without the Lord. We will improve on God and his commandments. We will not name the name of Jesus. We will name every other name under the sun. We will treat all the same. We will coexist. We will work together. There are those who will call you to put all your trust in human wisdom, in human endeavors, in human advancements, in human technological improvements so that you can extend your life, so that you can extend your legacy, so that you can extend, 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 so that you can transcend, 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 so that you will not be limited by the Lord, but you will build something for yourself. Make no mistake, dear friends, the Tower of Babel still exists. It began long ago, and though it is not built by bricks any longer, there are plenty of Towers of Babel all around that call out for your allegiance, that call out for your love, that call out for your obedience. But all of them stand under the same condemnation. For those who exalt themselves shall be put down, but those who humble themselves before the Lord he will raise them up. The day of Pentecost shows us the layout and blueprint of a far greater city. It is the Spirit's city built by him. It is the Spirit's city that is built by the Spirit who does not arise from below, but who comes down from above like the light. And that city still stands open to you as well. You heard it described in the book of Acts, and you heard it promised in the Gospel of John. Jesus said that whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father and I will come, and we will make, we will build a home with them. 
Just as much as the towers of Babel continue to be built up in our world, so also the temple of God is being built. Do not despair. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid when you see all of these condemned buildings being erected and even when you see many people running to them. For there is also a city that is being made. There is also a home that is being built that has foundations that are secure. There is a home being built in this world that is a home of peace, of love, of grace, of forgiveness. And the day of Pentecost shows you that that city is being built, was being built, and will continue to be built. But notice, notice the difference between the Spirit's city and Babel's city. In Babel, they tried to build a tower out of bricks that were baked. Well, the Holy Spirit bakes things too, doesn't he? When the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, he didn't come and erect a building made out of stones, but he came and he cooked those apostles. He burned them thoroughly, didn't he? But instead of dying when those apostles were touched by the Spirit, when the fire of God lit them, They were not consumed. They became living stones. They became living bricks, bricks that spoke. The bricks of the apostles are the city of God, not made out of mortar, but made out of the preaching of the good news. Isn't that what you heard in the the book of Acts, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't keep silence. When the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't just descend and then say, okay, now come and find me. He doesn't play hide and seek. No, the Lord God, the Holy Spirit calls. He speaks. He proclaims. And he doesn't just speak in one language, but he speaks in every tongue, in every language of the world. And so even in your own tongue, even in your own language, here in this place, you hear the mighty works of God. You hear what Christ has done for you. And as you hear what Christ Jesus has done for you, the Holy Spirit brings all these things to you and gives them in you. And so you become part of that same house. You become part of that same city. And in this city, in the city of the Spirit, it is not our names that are elevated, but whose name is praised in this city. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the city of God, it is the name of the Lord Jesus that is exalted. In the city of God, it is his commands, it is his ways, it is his promises that are held up, not the promises of man that fall apart so easily but the promises of the Lord Jesus. And here's the wonderful paradox, that when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, when you put aside your own plans, when you put aside your own ways, when you forget about creating your own legacy and join yourself to Jesus, here's the wonderful paradox. Your name is preserved too. For everything that is done in the name of Jesus, everything that is worked by faith in Jesus, everything that is done out of obedience to Jesus will not pass away, but will be remembered, will be treasured. And if it's not treasured and recognized by your peers, if it's not treasured and remembered by those around you, it is treasured and remembered by someone far greater, by the Lord God himself. Never despair that your works will be forgotten. Never despair that any act of obedience, no matter how small and insignificant it may seem, will be passed over. For everything done in the name of the Lord Jesus survives. Everything done in the name of the Lord Jesus thrives. 
For in his city, in the city of the Spirit, the name of the Lord Jesus is honored and treasured above all, and where his name is honored and treasured and proclaimed, there his gifts are poured out. There the forgiveness of sins is made known, grace. There the treasure of humility is made known, not pride. There the treasure of peace is made known, not warfare any longer. You see these two great building projects. You can see the towers of Babel being erected all around you, but also see, also see where the city of God is being built. It is being built in this place, and it is being built throughout the world. Pentecost and Babel both still are being built in our world, but one is crumbling. Mark it well and try to avoid it at all costs. But the city of God, the holy Christian church, the creation of the Holy Spirit, that is a city. That is a home where you can live. You know what they said after they heard St. Peter's sermon on Pentecost? Brothers, what shall we do? It's good for us to ask that question as well. And if you remember, or if you forgot, you can look in the end of the book of Acts, chapter 2, and you can see what the apostles said. Repent and be baptized. This is the call for every Christian in every time, in every age. Repent of Babel and all its works and all its ways. Leave them behind. Why would you want to live in a condemned house? Repent, get out, and be baptized. That is, be who God has called you to be. Be who you have been made in these waters. Be the people of God in Christ Jesus who proclaim his name above every name. Forsake Babel and all its works and all its ways. And be who God has made you to be. Living stones baked thoroughly in the Holy Spirit. Witnesses of Jesus Christ, the holy Christian church, who proclaim his wondrous names and his mighty works to all who will hear. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.